This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams. As frontman and lyricist for Portuguese goth metal icons Moonspell, Fernando Hibairu has been able to express his dark wolf heart on such classic albums as their atmospheric breakthrough Sin, Picado, which had his 21st anniversary reissue late last year, and 2015's Extinct, which rocks hard but is also haunting and beautiful at times. Their newest effort is 1755, a concept album sung entirely in their native language of Portuguese. It's about the Lisbon earthquake of 1755, which had a dramatic effect on the literal and spiritual landscape of that country. A man with much to say, Hibairu actually studied philosophy at the University of Lisbon in the late 1990s and immersed himself in texts about religion, philosophy, and theology. He has also written poetry. For episode 12 of Side Jams, Fernando spoke with me via Skype while on tour in Europe with Moonspell to discuss his poetry, as well as book collecting, editing, and translating. The singer has actually translated books by H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe, and Richard Matheson into Portuguese. He even has his own venture called Alma Mater Books and Records, and literary releases from that company include his own poetry collection, which has been translated into English, along with the poetry of Romstein frontman Till Lindemann, translated from the original German into Portuguese. Fernando is an intriguing character for sure, and we had a lot of fun discussing his love for reading and collecting books. Well, hello, Fernando. Thanks for joining me on Side Jams. My pleasure. It's actually our first time chatting, even though I've been listening to you guys for a while. And uh, funny, we were trying to chat a couple of days ago, and you guys caught. So you guys got caught almost in a hurricane on the way to Athens. Yeah, we had to uh, cancel the show. First, it's a pleasure talking with you. Finally, yes, likewise. I thank you for the opportunity. I mean, we started this tour in uh, Germany, and then uh, went all around Europe, France, uh, Portugal, and uh, Spain, etc. So we were um, coming to uh, Italy, we played two shows in Italy, and then we had to take the ferry to um, Athens, but um, all hell broke loose because um, there was a hurricane in Athens and uh, in Greece, which is not something too typical. <laughs> but um, wow. So we had to postpone this Athens show. We're going to fly to Athens after this tour to play um, that, that show that got postponed, but uh, we could get a, a ferry uh, here to another city in, uh, in Greece, Thessaloniki, but um, right. we still got the aftermath of the earthquake. So the sea was very, very uh, brave, and it was very, very angry, you know. And it was such um, a rough path to here. And um, as I mean, we tried to talk, but all communications were down. Our family was already like, you know, almost jumping on the boat to come from Portugal and say their their beloved um, sons. But uh, in the end of the day, all went well. And then uh, we arrived safe and sound uh, here in, in time just to play the second Greek show. Tomorrow we're going to Turkey, to Istanbul, and we could save the tour. We had to sacrifice a gig in Athens. Uh, capital of Greece, but uh, then we'll be back here in um, in January. So right now we are in firm land and uh, quite safe, and the sun is up. So we were catching some sun because uh, yesterday was really really terrible. Even for a goth person, uh, used to darkness and thunder, <laughs> it was a really really um, you know uh, hard time. Yeah, you're, for your side jams, you're into book collecting, editing, and translating. That's like a, a trio of things. Yeah, I'm, I always loved books when I was a kid, and I always loved how metal was connected with books. You know, many people are listening, for instance, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by um, Iron Maiden. Yeah. They think perhaps it's a Steve Harris lyric. It's not, or a Bruce Singleton. It's a very big poem from um, one of the biggest, you know, British poets, John Coldridge, called The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And yeah. Maiden just did the music around it. 
So I always loved this deep connection between literature, books, and rock music or metal, which is something that sometimes people forget about. So I always tried not only Moonspell to have this literature influence, but also I started to translate first, you know, the usual suspects, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Allan Poe. But I think that the biggest book so far I've translated from English to Portuguese was I Am Legend by Richard um, Matheson. Yeah. And um, sometimes I do translate uh, other stuff. I wrote my own poetry books. Now I have a collection in English. If you want, I can send one your way. That's not a problem. It's called Purgatorial. Really? Yeah. Purgatorial. Like uh, something related to purgatory. Yeah. I did that. And also, um, right now, I have a small um, book publisher that uh, is um, printing some books. Uh, one of the books is my small anthology in English. But also um, to bring the book culture connected with music to Portugal. For instance, the second book we've printed was Till Lindemann is the singer of Rammstein. He also writes uh -huh. poetry and he, he has beautiful poetry in Germany, like his own style, quite brutal. And uh, we bought the rights wow. and, and, and um, had a professional translator. I don't speak German, translated it into, into Portuguese. So and the book collecting, it's something like, um, I mean, best example is always, uh, you know, to tell you a little story. There's these um, Israel fans that are coming to um, Bucharest on this tour, but the show was sold out, so they couldn't find tickets. So they wrote me on email or social media. They um, asked me, well, can you put a, because we have all our flights and our, you know, vacations planned, but it's very sad if you can find two tickets and say, well, you came to the right person. So I'm Fernando, the singer of Moonspell, and for sure I can put you on our guest list. And then they asked me, do you want something? I said, no, it's okay. Come on, you're already spending enough money. Buy some shirt or some vinyl. And then they insisted so much that I said, well, I really want something. I own an Old Testament Bible, Testament, Old Testament Bible right. in Hebrew. And, in the, and they are bringing me a Bible in Hebrew. So that's the, the kind of... I've collected, for instance, my son is named Fausto, Faust, which is also a very big book from the German um, author Goethe. And yeah. I have um, a first translation uh, from Portuguese from the 40s. So I got some, I got some stuff, yeah. And uh, I got some cool records signed, but I, I, I have to say, not to disappoint anyone, because I'm a musician, I like metal, but I sometimes I like books um, better. They are more... Um, how can I say? They allow you to uh, imagine more things yourself. While music has a lot of quotes and programs, etc. While a book, you know, you read the book, it has a tree. You think about the tree that you saw when you were growing up in school. I will think about the tree that I saw when I was growing up and going to school. And I think that's the magic of literature, and I really love that. So what is the name of your book company, then? What's the it's actual... Alma Mater Books. And so you've done two books so far, or there are more? Well, uh, so far we have done three books. Uh, mine, Till Lindemann from Amstein, Portuguese version. And also um, we did um, a book of poems of um, a, the singer of an industrial uh, metal band uh, in Portugal. But right now we are very open to, you know, not only have stuff from public domain, there's a lot of stuff that I would like to have um, in, in Portuguese and nowadays I'm more connected 
within industry, but would love to have, uh, for instance, Harry Rowling's books. They never got a, a, a Portuguese treatment. I love mm. the way he writes, so probably I'm going to try, um, you know, um, write his publisher and try to to find out a deal uh, that I can afford. Obviously, that that kind of stuff, more poetry, people connected to music uh, or sports that write poetry. So we have a lot of um, a lot of things that um, that are going on uh, with the label. The book business is a bit slower for me than the music business. I want it to be uh, that way, um, definitely. But uh, yeah. like I said, it's just yeah, it's just my side jam. It's just um, what keeps me also sane. For instance, on these um, nowadays, at this stage of my life, I don't read anything that has less than a thousand pages. You know, wow. even, even on tour, I'm reading a, a book from a Portuguese um, author called Miguel Torga. Uh, it's his autobiography. It comes from the Spanish Civil War up to the Portugal of today, and already um, the tour is like. I don't know, a couple of weeks in, and I'm almost finished. But I have my Kindle because I'm not, I like the books. But as I travel a lot, I like the idea yeah. of having 600 books on my Kindle, <laughs> not to bring 600 <laughs> books on tour. You know? Well, yeah, that's a tr- that's the tricky part. I mean, I have this discussion with people. I mean, like, yeah. you know, I know people, I know people who commute in the city, and so, you know, they look, read books on their phone. I can't do that. It's like, but I understand why people do it. I mean, I think actually, for example, for Hollywood executives, it works out or script readers, development people, because I remember the days when people would go. I, I worked in Hollywood like 25 years ago, and I remember people would take a whole bunch of scripts with them on a trip. And so I can understand having it on a Kindle is easier than carrying around a duffel bag full of, of pages, basically. Yeah, I um, mean, I, I just um, um, the last book I read was called uh, The Benevolence by Jonathan Little. And yeah. uh, it's uh, more than a thousand pages. And I was traveling a lot, so I read half of it on the Kindle and half of it on the book. Yeah, but I finished on the physical book. I came home and I was saying, "Wow!" My wife's like, "Well, hello, I love you, and let's kiss, let's hug." My kid as well. But then when I had the chance, I was already like, "She was like, you already reading that shit?" I say, "Yeah, I'm already <laughs> reading this because I, I definitely have to." to finish it as soon as possible. So I bring some paper books, physical books. I bring the Kindle as a backup, definitely. But also, on the other hand, people give me a lot of books uh, on the road. They know, the fans know I like it, so I have uh, crazy books. And sometimes I I pick up some and start reading it and really enjoy it. It's like more of an addiction as well. I really like to read when I'm eating, before I go to bed. So there's always time to read. And when people say, well, how do you have time to read? I say, well, if I don't have time to read, I don't have time to do anything else. I don't have time to write. I will not write lyrics for Moonspell, so I'll be out of, out, of, uh, out of job as well. What is your poetry like? Well, it's quite different from the Moonspell lyrics because I tap more into my life and I don't have to have a, a real subject. Let's call it um, this way. So I wrote three books. The last book I wrote was about uh, my breakup with my ex-wife. It's called A Shadowy Dialogue. So a dialogue uh-huh. between shadows of people that don't understand each other anymore, but are trying to survive in each other's presence. Then I had the second book uh, back in 2005, I think, called the, the Essential Wounds, like a wound, like a flesh wound, about everything that was dark but important. Uh, in my life and the first book I wrote was 2001 it's called How to Dig an Abyss um, and it was about 
everything coming from uh, my flirting at with the university teachers up to uh, you know demonology it's a quite um, crazy book nowadays i'm working in a very different project called say it with a poem and it's a collection of iqs when i'm pissed at someone IQ, or, okay yeah at the scene or at someone in the street instead of you know just going crazy and do something stupid i say it with the poem so that will be the and i think it will be ready in 2020 it's going to be a different book a couple of um, of poems like in this short haiku format and i think maybe people will will dig it because it's something that you can read in 15 20 minutes so is, there, is any of this stuff going to be translated in, into English or has it been translated into yeah. English? Purgatorial, I'm going to send you one. You just, it's going to send me uh, your address by here okay. and uh, I'm going to, to uh, ship you one from the road. When um, the other one is out, I can definitely send it away. Definitely. Uh, yeah, thanks. I'd love to check it out. I mean, it's interesting when people get to do other stuff outside of that. You seem to be You seem to be someone who really likes to feed his mind. I mean, obviously you were going to school while you were in this band and that's not... That, that's not easy when you're trying to write and record and tour and, you know, go to class. It's very hard. And uh, sometimes I had to choose between uh, by having an academic career as a philosophy teacher or investigator or um, Moonspell. And Moonspell is much more um, something uh, of a gut feeling. It's not really, it doesn't really, it's not really my choice. It kind of chose me because in 98, I had no other no time after seeing to uh, go on to the master and to the to the you know of being a doctor uh, like we say a phd not a phd but the other the other level already uh, a master and um so um, i decided to have a life of touring etc but i never believed that one thing definitely puts the other off you know, I can always read, I can always write lyrics, I always have an audience as well that is willing to probably read a little bit more, let's call intelligent or thoughtful lyrics. So um, even though I cannot study physically these days and go to university, I definitely never stopped studying. And many of my uh, favorite books when it comes to philosophy, etc., I had the chance also to travel to those countries, to go to go to those universities, to talk with people that, in a way, also I wouldn't say met, but uh, contacted with these uh, with these uh, philosopher works in their native languages. So I think it's always something that you can definitely uh, do yourself if you have the discipline, and especially if you like it, you know, because everything is a question of uh, being fond of it. Uh, as well and i love to read and read is definitely my comfort zone philosophy poetry novels it, it doesn't matter it's something that uh, really puts me in the, in the right place actually i don't know if it happens to you if you're a bookworm but there's these stages that you don't really have a book to read and you're all nervous you know and you don't feel well <laughs> it's strange and you're all cranky and you know nobody can mess with you but when you find a book it's like a little drug you know it's just okay i'm here so i'm gonna read all these pages and i'll be quiet <laughs> well you know it's funny i mean i collect so much stuff i have so many books and comic books that i've collected over the years that i'm always behind my my problem is i'm as i'm getting older i'm like oh my god now i have to read all of this or i have to i have all these movies i've collected that i want to watch so it's funny because you know there's that netflix show with that woman marie kondo I don't know if that's right. popular in Europe, but you know she's always about the feng shui thing about 
getting rid of things and reducing yeah, all yeah. the clutter in your life and saying saying the goodbye mean, to stuff. The minimalist stuff. thing, yeah. Yeah, but then, you know, there was, I found an essay online where someone's like, oh, the hell with that, man. A lot of book collectors like having more books than they can read because it means there's always something to read. And it's, I guess it's it's the passion for learning something new. It's a, of, of accumulating knowledge. And I remember once I, I went on a, a date with somebody and I and I went back to their place and, like, they had no books. They oh, had oh. no CDs. <laughs> they had no movies. And I was like, wow. I mean, they weren't, they worked a lot. They weren't home a lot. But I was just like, wow, there's, like, none of that here. And, I mean, you know, it might have been all digital for all I know. But then there's that, there's that funny John Waters quote, you know, where he says, you go to someone's place and they don't have any books, you know, don't fuck them. <laughs> well, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm always uh, very suspicious about people that don't have stuff. I mean, this is the 2000s, you know, there's a lot of feng shui, there's a lot of yoga, there's a lot of Western people trying to go oriental. But, um, I mean, we are collectors. We like stuff, you know, Western people from Portugal, from the States, we like the physical stuff we brought all our society based upon the object you know so it will be very hard for me to get rid of my first editions of cousin Saki's or gut or lovecraft just because of one idea that some guy in tibet or china thought about it you know i'm not too um, convinced about this um, getting rid of stuff and having everything in, in your mind you, know, so you cannot kindle a fire without wood, without fuel. So um, I'm That's sorry. Great analogy. Yeah. So I, I can't go, um, you know, and feed myself out of the sun or something like that. I need the books and I need them, the Kindle or whatnot. Uh, I need the stuff. I need to know that vinyl is there, even if I'm not going to listen to it. You know, <laughs> well, well, you know, you know, there's something to be said, like, you know, I'm trying to take some stuff. I've been, you know, going to take some a little bit of stuff out of here and, and take it to my parents just to have it store, just to store it rather than getting a storage unit. I mean, I, what's funny is that I, I like to have some things around simply because oftentimes, yeah, you can have it in your iTunes, you can have it in your Kindle, but you don't always remember you have it. it it's hard. It's hard to think you'd forget about something you like. But, you know, when you start collecting more things, you go through a phase of listening to something or reading something you you forget certain little gems that you have. And, you, and sometimes I just go through my CDs or my books. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have that. Or I have this comic book I haven't read yet. And if you just have it in a list somewhere, it's not quite the same thing. And it's easier to find. In the Kindle, sometimes yeah. I'm like, where, where is this? And then when I go to my bookshelves, which are not very well organized, organized by taste or organized by mood, you know, right. I still have to work on my, um, because I, I have a, a big apartment uh, 100 kilometers from Lisbon, and I have my office obviously full of vinyl and book and tapes and etc. But I also have a, a basement that I'm organizing since three years <laughs> with the books. Oh my god! But, but you know, it's a work in progress, and it's all uh, it's a retirement plan. I'm from Portugal, so easily um, in a few years' time, I could afford a cabin by the sea. And guess what? What I'm taking my books, you know, and I'm going to wake up in the morning. My kid will be raised. My wife will, is going to do whatever she, she's going to do back uh, in the future. And I'm going to make some tea and some coffee and read Proust and read uh, the big books, you know. And that's that's what I want when I'm not um, rock and rolling around the world anymore. I think that <laughs> for me it sounds like a plan. If I get rid of the books, honestly, I'll... Uh, I'm that kind of person that will put, um, will insure the books like in a company, then uh, yeah. give them away. <laughs> 
Wow. Have you done editing and translating outside of your own book company? Yeah, I worked for um, um, a big publishing group in Portugal called Emergency Exit, but in Portuguese. Okay. And they have, uh, they have a lot of stuff. I did the medicine uh, um, book for them, but they have stuff from uh, George R. R. Martin, you know, Game of Thrones, up yeah. to um, Nora Roberts, the great bestseller um, as well. So they have a lot of stuff, but obviously I expertise more on the horror fiction etc and i write on their magazine as well about the music and books so are there any 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 uh well-known titles here that you've translated into portuguese over there well i've translated the music of eric san by uh lovecraft i translated i am legends and uh duo wow the shorter tales yeah um i've translated also for um, a comic company uh, a comic uh, uh, lovecraft biography and here and there, I've translated a lot of stuff. Right now, I'm um, as a personal project, I'm translating some of the Alice Crowley poems because it's public domain, and I oh, really? probably will, will make a book. Yeah, I'll probably make a book uh, about it. But if you ask me what I would love to to have in my, um, I love French poetry, and there's this poet called Verlaine, very important poet from uh, 19th century, and um, right. in the 60s and in the 70s. French culture was so big in Portugal. Nowadays, it's a bit smaller. I think everywhere. But uh, since then, there is not one edition from his uh, erotic poetry. It's three volumes, and I'm chasing that. But it's, it's hard because of family, etc. So there's many titles I would love to do, definitely. Al- Alistair Crowley sounds like it's right up your alley in terms of Moonspell. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a weird guy, and his uh, poems... Um, are a, a mix between eroticism and ritual. So you really have to, uh, you know, dig deep into it. And probably say I have like one or two months off the road, I will uh, definitely, I already translated five or six, and I thought, well, this is definitely a hard one to, a uh, hard nut to crack. We were, we were talking about Sin, and I was thinking about your albums and even more recent stuff like Extinct. There's definitely a bit of a Middle Eastern vibe to certain tunes. Um, now I know that you know for for hundreds of years Moorish culture had a, a lot of influence in Spain. Was it the same yeah. in Portugal? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, at the time there wasn't Portugal or Spain. There was a big region called Iberia, and that's right. Um, that's right. And the, the Muslim rule was, um, you know, Muslim rule and culture were very very important in um, in uh, in Portugal and in Spain. Obviously nowadays people have this idea of Muslim culture as a terrorist culture, but back in the day they left us with a lot of um, amazing poetry, amazing inventions, you know, even our alphabet, uh, our way of thinking. Sometimes the way you deal with the eroticism, for instance, uh, in Portugal, our way of talking. And um, there's a lot of anthologies from uh, Arabian culture and poetry uh, being made in Portugal. So I think that comes across in our culture and definitely in our music. And also the Portuguese, as you know, they've always been traders, not traitors, traders. They traders. Traders, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they um, were always in the Silk Route, trading spices and etc. So we always had a, a big, big contact with as far as Japan coming through all the, the you know, the, the, the Middle East. It's something that, um, you know, it's not a novelty for us, this 
people have, have always been a part, uh, a physical and the cultural presence um, in the Portuguese um, mentality and also in the Portuguese territory. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I I I don't think people here, like in the West, especially in America, really realize how uh, you know deep a lot of Arab culture runs because they only know about a minority of people. Hear about the bad things, they don't hear about the good things. No, they they don't. I mean, uh, and also, um, for instance, once I played in Lawrence, Kansas, and um, it's the lands, the hometown of William Burroughs, and I love William Burroughs, and I hate when yeah. people tell me, "Well, Americans have no culture, no literature." I think that's just a lot of. Um, BS, really, because American literature right. is awesome. You know, Kerouac, all the beatniks, I mean, you name it, Hemingway, uh, etc. So when it comes to what goes across America in the news, etc., it's a shame because, um, honestly, all the times I've been in the States, I think people are more curious than afraid uh, about it, about, um, about stuff. So I think that... Um, yeah. Literature, poetry, food, cuisine, etc., are always the best way of connecting people. If you try to connect people forcefully through religion or society or economy, well, that's not going to work. I mean, every time right. that people made peace with each other, etc., is because they understood the mentality and the culture. But if you see them as competitors, religious competitors, economic competitors, yeah, yeah. not only in the States. But everywhere, uh, everywhere else in the world, it will be uh, very hard to uh, come up with, you know, harmony between the people. You sound like you're a man who, who appreciates culture. Oh, definitely. Thank you very much. I appreciate no your problem. time, Fernando. You're a very interesting guy. I really love the, the interview. It's always nice to chat with people that actually took the time, you know, to understand your band and, and let you talk. That wraps up this latest episode of Side Jams. Please join me for the next installment, which will feature singer Tony Harnell of TNT, Westworld, and Starbreaker fame. The tunes used in this episode are from Fox and the Law, and I licensed them to AudioSocket. As always, thank you very much for listening. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.